I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Doran. And this is Radio vs. the Martians. There's 24 frames in a second, and I don't—I forget how how many frames is it? Only two frames that it can be off by mm-hmm. before the human eye sees that it's wrong. That you know, I would believe that. Um, I'm I'm trying to come up with a parallel to gaming where people are like, I can get 180 frames per second, and after a certain point, it like doesn't even matter because a human eye can only see so many anyway. You know, like their video card is so fast that like <laughs> it goes beyond what you can even perceive. But I don't. I don't yeah, know. There's like a physiological barrier, right? The yeah. barrier is like you really couldn't even someone who happened to have like great eyesight or have good visual acuity just wouldn't be able to like detect the difference i think for what mike is saying we've all like you know we've all been raised on a spectrum of like a 30 frames per second world and only when you're in like a a video game world where you the thing you're watching is no longer just 30 frames per second where it's higher than that has there's been this idea that has been like a whole other world opened up like oh my god there's all these think about all these universes we could be in um, but really, like, I think 30, 30 frames per second was economical, but it's also like you can have adequate movement and there's not a lot of flickering. You know how with film, there's like the pan jutter, mm-hmm. where sometimes you'll watch a movie and if they're doing a quick pan across, it'll kind of mm-hmm. look as if the image is kind of skip, 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 yeah. skip. That was just, that's just the way your eyes, if you were actually seeing the film projected 24 frames per second, that's just a the way your eyes don't connect the motion properly yeah. of 20, 24 frames per second. But for a TV camera, for like an NTSC TV camera, you don't have that problem. That you, the, the six extra frames fill in that issue. But it's weird because it's all, it's all artifice and we've been trained by watching media to accept certain kinds of artifice and then if it gives us a different kind we reject it and we don't necessarily know why we reject it and it's kind of like when you buy a new hd tv now they i don't know why they do this because this is this person's a monster oh, the motion sh- smoothing thing the motion smoothing yeah. so it looks like a uh, uh, a soap opera yes. when it's just like it's so weird or like i can't put my finger on what is so unnerving about this but i don't like it yeah like i i got a tv and one of the hobbit movies was on television and I didn't know why, but I was like, God, this looks so fake. And I I saw this in theaters, <laughs> so a, I know it doesn't look there's this There's another fake. reason why that Hobbit movie looks yeah, fake, too. Because it's all CGI. Oh, right? yeah. Isn't it like the they're reducing the motion blur or something? So everything almost looks too Yeah, like, 48 too frames a second, which makes things too smooth. And if it's too clear, you start noticing that those limitations of technology actually cover for... Things that look fake in real life, but don't look fake on screen. Like Gandalf's staff is plastic. And if it's too clear, you can tell. And the same thing if you make HD of old TV shows that relied on the crappiness of television to hide those things and make it look cool. So suddenly a lot of props on original Star Trek look worse than they should. Yeah, that that is funny how that 
turns out uh i have one of my roommate is like a self-ascribed pc master race gamer and so he just swears that if it's if it's not at least 60 frames per second he can tell and you know up to a certain point for instance like i have the mad max dvd and i thought this is the best movie in the world and i've watched it 100 times and then i watched the hd version and i was like wow this makes this really does make my dvd look like trash so like there's definitely but there's a point of diminishing returns like up to that point i'm like okay yeah that really does look a lot better but Diminishing returns is right though because I think there's a point at which it you're just changing something that the human mind can't comprehend and that it only makes sense as a set of numbers on a screen and it's like why are we doing this just to prove that this machine is better than the last machine and maybe you can charge a little bit more for it and it's the same thing I think we were talking about this once Casey with cars it's just how expensive does a car need to be to be the fanciest car in the world because even if you can make a car that can go 200 miles an hour, the places where you can actually drive at that level, I mean, that's the big lie of the Batmobile, is that you'd never be able to drive the Batmobile in the way you'd want to drive the Batmobile in a major city. Well, that's why you, you just go up, start flying on rooftops. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, but it's like crazy. But I mean- Gotham City at rush hour is just no fun for Batman. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, if Kanye West can sell like a $50 t-shirt, how good is that? How good can a t-shirt be? Yeah, if you just if you look at um, any designer clothing, it's like um, even for something as simple as a T-shirt, like you said, but also for any level of like, uh, say, an incredibly embellished gown or something, take the equivalent of that in like a department store and just add a zero and like at least one zero. And that is what they can get away with because they're selling the name brand. And that's basically it at that point. It's not like this is the most immaculately crafted t-shirt you've ever seen. And it has, and it'll make you invisible. And it it will (laughs) like, if it did, then like, wow, maybe I should get this t-shirt, but it's not this groundbreaking thing. That's the uh, the utmost quality you've ever seen in your life. I can't believe it at that point, but it is really funny because uh, I saw a meme about that recently that made a great point. It was like, man, it's just so cool how like uh, Mark Zuckerberg just wears the same t-shirt and jeans every day. He's just like us. I'm like, no, no he's, he's he is not wearing the same t-shirt and jeans as you. And if you think he is, it's because he's so rich that he knows about brands that we don't even see. Right. And, and he is paying oh, the people, extra People do- make him his clothes. He probably yes. has somebody in a sweatshop dedicated just to making his weird gray t-shirt and jeans combo. Like- he takes it off. He wears it once, takes it off, and then burns it in front of a poor family. <laughs> I think that's probably how that goes. Yeah. But I mean, how good can a t-shirt even be? Well, I mean, yeah. when is the last giant leap forward in t-shirt technology? And when did that happen? Yeah. Did they add when they added the pocket? Yeah, and oh, that man. was like the biggest advance you could get. I'm just thinking of uh, see, I'm interested in the other end of the spectrum, which is what about this the qu- the quality of things you can buy, the type of things you can buy, where the poorest person in the world and Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Bezos, whoever, um, buy the exact same thing. And one of the things that I heard of was like Coca-Cola, where you consider this as thing is they probably make a cola that is $100 a bottle. Probably, I would imagine. But do, does, does Bill like Gates... They gold in it. I mean, it's, right. I mean, it's but, like, because yeah. I really want to poop that out. But I mean, does but I Bill think Gates that's why make it? Do but does yeah. Bill Gates make it, you know? Or does Bill Gates uh, like buy it and drink it? No, no. He drinks the same thing. And it's fascinating because... It could be a thing that you could sell extremely overpriced sugar water to very rich people because that does happen. But on on the whole, there's only sort of like one type of cola that most people drink and a yeah. couple variations. But, and that to, yeah. to me, that's like, well, this that could be the world. The world could just be as as simple as that. It's like, hey, there's there, there is no need to sell a hundred thousand dollar 
parachute or something. I don't know. You know, how or, good, or to have, there's, a, it, there's a point at which a parachute can't get any better, right? You know, yeah. because if if there's a point at which it will not tear up and going a certain speed, <laughs> that's a speed that would kill you falling that fast anyway. I think that these prices are set for people who don't know what the price of things are. Like when you think of you know Hillary Clinton and her face walking into the working class people's home and like what is all this and like or uh, people George H W Bush not knowing what the scanner was. Yeah, at a, or uh, um, I think it was uh, uh, Bill Gates. They were asking him, well, what are the, the prices of these groceries kind of, you know, like if you were to walk into a, a Safeway, what would the cost of the of a loaf of bread be? And he just had absolutely no clue because you don't think about right. those things when money is no object. So you're just like, yeah, why wouldn't I get the... If everything 50... is functionally free to you. Yeah, it, it, it it's all meaningless at that point. Well, the the yeah. interview with Mariah Carey, was, there was an Australian interview interviewer and... Uh, he was talking about, oh, she was talking about the bills or something. Someone was making reference to the bills, and the guy mentioned the electricity bill, and she was under the misapprehension that electricity was free. Oh. And I was yeah. like, how far removed from being an actual normal human being do you have to be where you don't realize that uh, utilities have to be paid for okay. by someone? Effectively, it is. It's like like my water, if I drink, take a glass of water, it's free, but like technically I'm paying for it, but so little that it wouldn't matter. But that's what every bill is to them. It's like, yeah, that's free. That's like, it's it's a... It's a drop in the bucket. The, ulti- the ultimate luxury will always be being able to set auto pay on a bill. I think <laughs> yeah. that, that that is the place at which I consider that you're doing pretty well in life, <laughs> that you can go, I don't have to think about that. It's just going to get paid because I don't worry about how much money there is in that account. But um, speaking of, of this kind of weird sort of disconnect, I mean, it's not just that people have these weird kind of parasocial relationships with people like Elon Musk, uh, the people who are probably, you know, they have a vape pen that has like a, a flavor of like Bitcoin or something. <laughs> Not just those people, but uh, I, this is going to come home to us. But I think nerds are frequently fucking awful. Um, I don't know if you saw this recently, but there's uh, the estates of a number of comic book creators, including the estate of the Stan Lee people, St- Steve Ditko and a bunch of others are trying to get the the copyrights and the, uh, the trademarks nullified on these characters that have made this massive multimedia corporation literally billions of dollars not just on the comic books that's actually pretty small potatoes compared to like birthday party plates and t-shirts and action figures and backpacks and movies and cartoons over decades and you also remember that people like steve ditko died in basically poverty Mm -hmm. despite the fact that he co-created spider-man and that's fucking bullshit and what always happens Whenever these kind of lawsuits happen, and they do happen, they happened with uh, Siegel and Schuster over Superman. Uh, they happened over a bunch of this shit, but you get this kind of fan that's just convinced that if this poor person beats the super corporation, that they'll never get to read these comic characters ever again, <laughs> which is bullshit because the very first fucking thing you'd do if you won that lawsuit is license that character out yeah. and try to get some of that back money that you've been denied all this time. Uh, and you start seeing this sort of panic mode where people are acting like, oh my God, this is go time. You better not root for the Ditko people now or we're never going to have Spider-Man ever again. It's if he's going to like, it's like those albums that Prince recorded and then just locked in a vault. It's like, <laughs> this person is like, yeah, I know Spider-Man makes money hand over fist, but I'm going to fucking keep him and never release him. It's like, that's never going to happen. And it's, it's bonkers. What is this knee-jerk reaction to fucking side with these bosses? Is that the last person? I mean, Marvel Comics didn't, 
create Spider-Man and Captain America. Like human beings did. And those human beings got fucked. I'm not, that's surprising to hear that like not even the creator or co-creator Ditko got to benefit from the creation of his own product because oftentimes when people get into this weird mentality where they're just like, oh yeah, I have to root for the corporation because they make the thing that I like and I want more of the thing than like the, the creator would also come into that equation, right? You would think, but but why did he get screwed over? And he wasn't, he didn't even get to uh, receive the full benefit of his labor. <laughs> exactly. And it's like the other thing too is that immediately as soon as they'd won that lawsuit they're not going to win it they almost never do they don't have lawyers like these like fucking disney does but um when if this lawsuit was miraculously won by creators um they would just license it back to marvel like right away of course they would they they, immediately because they're not going to stop those movies from getting made well i mean there's the other thing here which is I, i could foresee an argument that is about well okay then then think about all the shitty things that would come out but I mean, that argument is completely overturned by the fact that nerds spend their entire lives now complaining about the things that the company <laughs> makes that they don't like. Yeah. Right. So there will always be. And and also, I can remember from being a little kid and driving by like a local. It wasn't a hot topic, but it would have been Medford, Oregon's like local version of like a hot topic that had the edgy T-shirts on the window. And one of them was like mickey mouse giving the finger you know (laughs) yeah you know it's like clearly disney did not sign off on this but clearly someone is manufacturing this t-shirt and selling it and making money off of it it's the calvin peeing it does yeah it doesn't matter if they are never able to license it again and shut everything down or they it's in public domain people are always going to be reproducing it because they like the character and because other people will purchase the character. The mouse is like the eye of Sauron and they're definitely sending their (laughs) lawyers out wherever they can, but they can, uh, they can only do so much when you have an empire of this, this size and this proportion, you, you can't get everybody, but they'll they'll sure try. They will knock themselves out trying to go after the little guy. And they are monsters. (laughs) Disney lawyers are the fucking worst. They went after a kid who had just died of cancer because the kid wanted to have Spider-Man on his gravestone and Disney did not want to have that happen. I mean, that's fucking ghoulish. Yeah. And they will go there. They'll sue a, a daycare center that has like a Lion King character painted on the wall. They'll go after anybody. And it's like, these are the people you're siding with. And here's the thing. If Disney hadn't fucked with our, our copyright laws in the first place, Spider-Man would have gone into the public domain like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the other thing I was just about to say. It's like, if you're not offended by all of these egregiously awful things they're doing to, to kids and people who aren't hurting anybody, then look at how they have aggressively lobbied to like basically recreate copyright law into what they want so they can just keep clinging on to their creations from a hundred years ago and you can never have this and how much more money can disney make and how much more can they just you know like no none of you can ever anything else lapses into the the public domain like um Sherlock Holmes yeah Tarzan exactly after a certain amount of time why and and they just get to not do that that is incredible I don't I don't hear any anyone complaining about the fact that there's this dearth of awful Tarzan and Peter Pan (laughs) adaptations it doesn't make you not be able to watch the one you like over and over and over again yeah I mean how many versions of Sherlock Holmes are there and here's the thing this is the beautiful thing about the public domain that you don't get. Uh, and this is a thing I think Batman fans or whoever will, would understand, which is that if a single company has a monopoly on a character that you like, 
if that version of the character that they keep refusing to do, like there's just this arms race of how dark and hyper serious Batman can get. <laughs> it's so point, grim, so dark. It's just so fucking angry and it's just like screaming in the rain and pretty soon it's just going to be Batman cutting himself. <laughs> but Lincoln it, Park is blasting in the back. That's the whole soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> like the trailer for the Matt Reeves Batman came out and I was like, Jesus Christ, can we... Can we just get Batman in therapy? Because whatever he's doing, this is he's not okay. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but his parents died. Yeah. Uh, Martha was a person you might want to get. And I don't want to send callous to the, 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 the tragedy of a fictional character, but in Gotham City, how does that make you special? <laughs> because yeah, it's fucking true. the Seriously. fucking city. Everyone does have a Every- parent who's died. Everyone's of- getting mugged left and right yeah. in this city, and the only way to stop them is to pummel these down-on-their-luck citizens into, into a bloody pulp. Because if we're going to talk about just like industry, I think mugging is, it probably creates more jobs in Gotham City than anything. They probably have a lobby at this point. It's like the police unions where you can't go after muggers. Uh, They're just, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, he's a mugger. Sorry, dear. It's like paying a tax at this point. But yeah, it's just, it's insane. But I mean. Wait, was um, the, wasn't that a bit on L.A. Story? Did either of you ever see Steve Martin's L.A. Story? Mm-mm. This is like a mid-90s movie. It has all sorts of jokes that are based around the you know the particulars of being in LA so they've got a line of people going up to the ATM and there's a line of people standing there waiting the card and there's a line of muggers and then they meet each other and they're like oh I'll be your mugger today and they shake hands and then he points a gun at him they give him money and then they walk away I feel like that's that's yeah, Gotham City right that has you, to be. you just got a line of people with guns at the ATM it maybe instead of <laughs> building a bat shaped rocket car you could probably put just an extra wall around like, Arkham Asylum <laughs> I, mean, I, am, I am not in favor of just like you know ex- prison expansion but jesus christ maybe a little better security around the dracula castle I- where you torture people and no one gets better <laughs> but anyways this idea of just the hyper dark batman when you have a corporate monopoly that's all you're gonna get and if you can't convince them to make a better batman despite the fact if you look at the internet people want a variety of batmen um and they're not gonna get bat, it bat people bat people yeah. yes. but here's the thing if it, if batman went in the public domain which let's say the old what was the old model was like 50 years at one point before disney got involved right. yep uh batman was created in 1939 that means that in 1989 at the time his movie came out that that would have been the last hurrah of warner brothers owning that character i mean at least owning that character outright and right right that means that we, we've basically lost out on over 30 years of anyone being able to do whatever the fuck with Batman they wanted. And that means that we only get what they give us. There's probably been some amazing Batman movies yeah. that could have come know, out that time. And we look at the incredible official contributions that they've created with, uh, I'm sorry, was it George Clooney that had the bat nipples? <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, speaking of Arnold and his, uh, oh my God, the one-liners. It was, I know mean, they were going for camp, I guess, but I'm just like, I don't know if I'm really enjoying, I don't think it's landing. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was so weird for a hot second there. And then Christopher Nolan was like, hey, let's n- do something that's not gonna like just absolutely make you regret spending money going into the theater today um and i don't know where it's gonna go from there but it has gotten like very grim dark for sure it's just getting angry it's like this is the ugly thing of again the monopoly of it and the fact that money steers all of it which is okay that dark serious version of batman made money will make even more money if he's darker and seriouser so my my youngest, both my kids like Batman, but my youngest likes Lego Batman. He likes a particular iteration of the Batman character that is 
kind of a distilled, it's definitely a very distilled and simplistic and big self-parody of, of the Batman character. So the, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Batman movies, but he's played by Job from uh, Arrested Development. Oh. I can never me- remember his name. Nice. Um, Will Arnett. Yes, Will Arnett. And he does, it's a, it's a parody performance because he's like, oh, I'm so dark. And he like plays heavy metal music and or whatever. So, but then the first movie is about him learning to be a part of a family again. Like it's a so it's a pretty wholesome, even though it's sort of ridiculous and based on these stuff that's very much not kid friendly stuff, like having your parents murdered in front of you or whatever, and being right in an endless nightmare nightmare town. Right? Um, it's very funny and heartwarming and whatever. And so, of course, I see all the Lego stuff come just continuously. And for this Christmas. There is now <laughs> the Lego stuff, no longer based on the Lego Batman movie or the Lego movies, which were their own flavor. Now I'm seeing stuff that is it was is from the new Matt Reeves Batman movie with with Pattinson, and I'm like, do you think kids who want Lego stuff even care about this like grim, growly, like evil version of Batman? No, they like the lighthearted one. A when my four year old plays with like it, lighthearted. But that's the thing is that when my four year old plays yeah. with it, he makes like goofy laser beams and like they team up with Spider Man, even though that's impossible. Like, oh, some nerd got fucking angry at your son. I, just now. I guess. <laughs> I guess. So I don't. I don't. I don't you care about that. You have to explain why they're in the same universe. It doesn't. It for for me. I think I said this on our Spider Man panel. Is like for me the thing that is the best about the characters is that. A little kid can be like, I'm going to have this do this, and this is going to be my little imaginative game, and this is the story that I make. And all of the people that are clamoring and paying all this money and trying to make DC, the Batman character specifically, more ugly and less suitable for children, like... Sorry, this is, it's it's for you. It's not for me. I'm. It's not like I'm gonna show my four year old like Batman versus Superman. It's never gonna happen. So they've just missed out on that opportunity. Um, and they can lose that money. They, they're they're one hundred percent free to lose that money. Um, all that Batman stuff is clearly being made for us for you know gen xers and millennials it's clearly being made for us it's not being made for children anymore so they should drop the pretense of it having anything to do with kids well it's it's also responding to a culture where the if it ever existed doesn't certainly exist now between sort of nerds and the straights or the normies or whatever you want to call it but this stuff has been so fucking mainstream for so long that it's hilarious that anyone still acts like it's any kind of cultural identity to just like this stuff. I mean, these movies make a billion dollars yeah. at I'm the box office. I'm such a nerd for liking Star Wars. What are you going to do about yeah. it? Like, oh, one of the biggest franchises in history that's still making money hand over fist. Wow. Don't, yeah. you know, don't, don't go out there in, in public <laughs> yeah. and say that. Star Wars has always been mainstream. It has never not been mainstream. It was in movie theaters yeah. for well over a year when it first came out. And why? where did we get that idea? Is it because it's sci-fi? Like, there's a lot of sci-fi that's, like, action-oriented and has always been cool, has always been um, kind of, like, you're not going to get uh, your lunch money stolen and get a wedgie and dunked in the toilet at school because you watched sci-fi. So I'm not sure where exactly that... Where did this idea originate? <laughs> I don't know. I think... I think we may be of the last generation that got any kind of picked on or at least had to withhold liking things publicly, but that died around 2000 big time. And the fact that I think some people just really want to hold on to that. It's like, do you really want to be a marginalized community? I mean, I, I, I've seen enough to see how that looks. That doesn't look like fun. I don't want to, I don't want to actually be persecuted for something, especially not for fucking Batman. And and, (laughs) and how was it? 
super terrible. I remember when like Xbox normalized gaming and now mm-hmm. gaming became cool and it's casual and it's mainstream and and the frat boys are doing it. It's not just the nerds in, in the dorm, right? Oh, don't but tell you, the worst people on the internet that. But, but even before that, it's like, you know, getting the latest video game was kind of cool. You got that and you were the first kid on the street to get the Nintendo 64. Like you were popular. That was awesome. And everyone was jealous. And like, that wasn't really something that's like a mark of shame. So it's yeah. like, where is this? Like, it's like a revisionist history they've created. Mm. I, I think it's weird. I think we've, we've. T- I don't know if we've talked about this at length before. And I definitely don't want to name drop uh, people in this because I don't want to give them any oxygen. But there is a, a whole YouTube economy that has grown up around retroactively creating a mythology that makes the gamer the most aggrieved person in the world. No, gamers are the most persecuted demographic, as we know. It's the the saddest fucking thing. They're being jailed around the world just for daring to play video games. But a lot of it is, it's weird because when so much of their tropes involve, you know, branding people as fake fans, um... They don't seem to like anything. And that's the part that is just so weird. If there's anybody that's a fake fan, I think it's the fact that it really feels like this is just a way to kind of onboard people into far-right politics. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the same fascist tropes, which is, by the way, the idea of sort of an aggressive, hyper-masculine, authoritarian, pro-traditionalist, angry, um, violent, paranoid group. But again, the big thing, the big mythology of fascism is always there was a time when everything was great and everyone was perfect and children were beautiful and respectful. And then this group of people came along. They infiltrated it and betrayed it. And now we're a laughingstock and everyone hates us. Now we have to harass and ruin these people's lives because they have made this thing we love impure. And they're applying it to video games and nerd shit. <laughs> you made a really interesting point about how, you know, nerds want to create this image. Like, we're, we're so put upon, we're outcasts, we're social pariahs because we play video games. And then they gatekeep the hell out of anyone who ever expressed interest mm. in that. The same thing mm. with, like, oh, you like Nirvana? Name their first name, uh, every song they ever wrote, and right. uh, Kurt Cobain's blood type. And they do that with gaming. It's like, why do you think that there's these legions of people, especially women, that are creating a whole persona just to to trick you that sounds like projection that sounds yeah. really weird and why are you do you want to keep people out of this thing if it's so like oh we're so unaccepted nobody wants to have us around well what are you guys doing and and what message does that send that like you were a fake fan well some everyone has to become a fan at some point you were born a fan and and nobody's keeping track of this there's no <laughs> there's no awards handed out at the annual convention of who is the longest term fan of the video game like <laughs> it doesn't work that way don't you want to add to the collective if you're such a big fan and we want more support for this thing i want more people to know about it and continuing to buy something while it was not good to you <laughs> isn't a mark of some kind of like you're not john henrying your way through this yeah it's not this is it's just bullshit just don't buy things that don't make you happy and if they're doing things you don't like just stop I mean, it's it's maddening to watch these people get angry, and they're clearly continuing to subscribe to Disney Plus, even though they seem to hate Disney Plus. <laughs> they hate it so much they continue to give those people seven dollars a month. They hate them so much they continue to give them free advertising, and then you end up getting with this sort of 
the the liberal counter revolution, which is I'm going to consume things to piss off that guy on the internet, and in the end, you're all just buying the same stuff, thinking that it either makes you a good person or a bad person, the same way that you know right wingers are destroying Keurig machines and Nikes <laughs> that they already paid for. Yeah, as if anyone again is tallying the reasons why you bought this thing or didn't buy this thing. Um, and, uh, okay. But I mean, I, the only was... person that's tallying anything is the company that's making all of this money that you're fighting over and giving them free advertising. So aside from the fact that it's clear that the, you know, that if you're Disney or wh- whoever, it benefits you of the fact that there are shit tons of people going online and screaming about it and having it because because the, then it's just raising the profile of what it is that you're trying to sell them. I think that there's a if you put aside the sort of the the nascent political part of it, which. I mean, I, I, I lend some, definitely lend my support behind your, your, your supposition, your assertion. But to make it explicit, a bunch of those people just did a live stream with Alex Jones recently. Of course. Of course. So, I mean, it's like the, the, the mask is off. I feel like, but, and I feel like, yes, there's some, some sizable percentage of people for whom it's part of creating this sort of insane right wing culture that is just their the the you know the 21st century's way of expressing this thing and it's just one part of media they're glomming onto i think there's another aspect here that can account for it is that there's a big fomo aspect here being now being a parent like i understand that even as an adult fomo which stands for fear of missing out is like our super powerful psychological effect on everyone and especially when you're thinking about culture as an idea, which is the culture is what? It's the stories that we share in common that we use to define ourselves. And, you know, since it's the 20, since it's not, you know, the second century, it's not the story of Jesus or the story of Muhammad or whoever, right? Now, now it's like Superman and Captain America and whatever. Like, it's those squid are, game. The, yes. the only alternative to that is the to be like, game. I am so cool and so nonconformist to you guys that I'm not going to watch Squid Game because I'm not going to let you pressure me. But for the most part, even if they don't like it, people want to participate in it. And like, oh, and, and I remember People want to was... at least know what it's about. Yeah. And, and so re- that will draw them to even do the stupid shit, like the ridiculous stuff. And I remember what I was going to say earlier, the, the George Lucas martyrs, the people oh, that oh. are such big Star Wars fans that they went and saw the pre- prequels and didn't like them and then went and saw them again and asked why and like because i want to support more star wars movies in the future what message do you think this is sending <laughs> it's just like those stories where you find out that the, the the pope who had just died used to whip himself with a leather belt and it's like what are you doing <laughs> and, i mean i think that you should it's pop culture it's media i'm not going to say that it has no impact on real life i think that pop culture can certainly normalize certain things but it's this is not where the battles are being fought, and you're not proving anything or winning any real battle just by liking a piece of media. And there's a lot of people out there that seem to think that that your your whole identity is sort of liking a thing that a person you hate hates, or hating yeah. a thing that a person you hate I'm likes. And buy this simply because you guys don't like it, and that is really. But and I don't know what's worse, that or the people that are like. I'm I'm very upset about this and the way you guys did it and I don't like it and it's horrible. I'm still going to buy it. I mean, let's be clear. Oh, God, no, I'm not going to stop buying it. But I am very upset. Everything is on the level of like, we hate Sonic the Hedgehog, so now you have to change it. Which, you know, you could get into whether that was even like a deep fake and they were going to do that the whole time and it was a big marketing scheme. But people are like, yeah, if we complain and like meme hard enough, then they will do the, change it to what we wanted after all. And like, 
just complaining about the aesthetics. Did they change the screenplay or anything else that happened in the movie? Not to my knowledge. It's just, it doesn't look like Sonic, which, yeah, it didn't. It looked like a monster creature, but uh, it, I don't think that that was the biggest problem. I don't think that Sonic the Hedgehog was a critically acclaimed release. And it wasn't because of his nightmare face. <laughs> Radio vs. the Martians is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music is written and performed by James Wetzel. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And you can always find us online at RadioVersusTheMartians.com. Ceiling broken, all the oppressed groups shall prosper, especially the most oppressed group of all, gamers.